When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Joe? Looks like you've gotten some sun. Yeah, I've been in the sun. I've been running. I've been mountain biking. You know, uh, vitamin D is essential in helping combat coronavirus. Apparently. Yeah, but a report came out today that said vitamin D doesn't help. They really? changed the story every two days. Yeah. So I've been sunning my butthole for no reason then. Well, that seems like... Uh... That's a thing where you... Oh, uh, like you lay on your back and you sort of put your knees behind your head and, you know, you sun your anus because it's like, you know, it's a membrane is is porous so that vitamin D can get directly into your butthole. See, now I hadn't, that was not on any Dr. Oz episode I've ever seen. That's a thing. Just Google, Google vitamin D butthole, see what comes up. <laughs> I'm scared of what comes up. And only you... While thinking of butthole, would say lie on your back and roll your legs over your head. I mean, I was, most people would just say lie on your stomach, but not you. No, I, I was trying to give you a visual, but no. Because, oh, I have it. I have it. Yeah, well, if you're on your back, it opens you up a little bit more. It cracks you open. No, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, yeah, I got it. You understand? Yeah, I got it. Okay. How are you? I got it. I'm well. Uh I'm yeah. good. Yeah. The boys have been swimming two years mm-hmm. old. We have, have a they, pool. Are they, are they learning to swim? Or are they, They're are not they... learning to swim because we don't uh, have anybody that we're willing to quarantine for 14 days in our home that's <laughs> capable of training our two-year-olds to swim. Uh, but they, uh, you know, with proper floaty materials, they enjoy the pool. So they're not scared of the water, which is good. They're They're a little trepidatious which mm-hmm. is good because i don't want them just mm-hmm. flopping into the water like hey this is not yeah but back in the day that's about. how we learned how to swim kind of it was like just throw you in the pool and you know if you're gonna drown your mother or father will save you but it's like just figure it out like just go in the pool well, what's and- the proper amount of time to let a kid flail around well, I think that once he or she starts to submerge and sink is when you you go after her you go after your kid. That that is how you learned how to swim. Uh, I think so. I don't remember was having this, swim lessons. You know, was you know what? This be- before or after <laughs> Kurt left you in the woods alone. <laughs> I was swimming by that point. Maybe so. you were just abused, and it's all kind of trickling out. <laughs> no, it was just a different time, Joe. But my uh, Rio, my third, never had swim lessons. Because the third kid always gets sort of screwed in that department. You know, the first kid is everything is is hyper paying attention to and making sure they learn this and to ride a bike and to swim and to talk and to say their their letters and their numbers. And, you know, by my third kid, it's just 
you checked out. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. She will learn to do it all, and she but that has. That seems but- like something of all the things on the list, letters and all those things. Swimming seems like a vital thing to actually teach, not just go figure it out. We'll be in here. Yeah, but she did. I mean, it was weird. One day she just did it. I mean, she would always be in the pool with me, you know, and go under, go under, blah, blah. blah. But then all of a sudden one day she's like, oh, well, there it is. She can swim. We're good. And that was that. We you took know? the boys to survival swim class when they were, this was over a year ago. So they, they were like were like, like six weeks or, old. <laughs> yeah, and and they that's the the thought is if they were to fall into the pool, mm-hmm. they are after you go through this class, which is awful to watch. Uh, they will be able to get out, get get to the side and get out. Yeah, what it's like you you roll on your back or something. And yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah but, so but they, that's. That there's it's, it no was torturous. Way. It's but they, torturous. Yeah, they can't they can't comprehend that at one years old. But uh, there's a survival instinct that's inside all of us that they tap into and they figured it out. Although, unfortunately, our instructor's wife uh, became ill and we couldn't finish the class. So oh, he's like, "Hey, God. we're ready to start it up." But once we got away from it, we're like, "That was torture," and yeah. we never brought him back. What's your survival instinct? You know, because you say that everyone has one. I mean, are you a fight or a flight guy? I'm flight. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm flight, but I'm slow. That's a bad combination. Right, right, right. I uh, I want to be a fight guy because it's cooler, obviously. Like, you, you're tougher if you're a fight Have you ever guy, but... actually been in a fight, like a fight fight? Yes, in college, like back in the day, and I haven't been in like a fist fight though in a hundred years. Like I can't even remember. But you've actually been. You can think yes. back to a time oh, when yeah. you were in a fist, throwing oh, yeah, punches, yeah. receiving yes. punches, ducking yes. punches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was always the person who was trying to defuse the situation. Like if we were in college, if it was a bar fight, sort of was about to happen, and you know it was like the frat frat boys, and then like against us. You know, like which happened a lot because they didn't like us. We had parties every Thursday night at our house and took girls from their parties, basically, so that they didn't like who we were. They called us like the L.A. pricks. Not very inventive name, but that's what we were called. So we had to throw down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But I was always... I was the diffuser, though. I didn't want to fight. I, 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 I don't... It scared me, and it can get out of control, and I, I didn't like fighting at all. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I know I'd be bad at it. I don't want to find out. Yeah, I mean, I'll run before I fight. I got chased into, in 2003, I was doing the ALCS in Boston. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked till we're both tired of talking about it or hearing about it, about the whole perception, you hate my team, blah, 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 that yeah, I yeah, deal yeah. with. I get out of a car, leaving Fenway Park. We pull up in front of the hotel and two guys stumble out of a bar in Boston called the Beantown Pub. Mm. And they spot me. And they start running across. They're like, Joba. They start running across the street at me. And I had to briskly walk. I wouldn't give them the satisfaction of me running into my hotel. But I briskly walked and just got inside the door before they got there. Or they would have tried to <laughs> kick Jesus. my ass. 
Yeah, there we there was a we had a there was a bar fight on a hill. Uh, I was on the hill in Boulder that was just so gnarly. Like a bottle was broken and a guy's face was cut, and I, I just didn't want to be any part of that. I was not a big fight guy, you know. So where were you? You were the L.A. pricks or whatever. Where were you? We, well, I was you, in, you were in I was Boulder. In, yeah, I was in Boulder. I was so in you were Colorado. living with a bunch of L.A. guys. Yeah, my best friend, John, went to school with me there, and then Brad and Brian first, and it was weird. I mean, everyone lived there. And you said no to fraternities. Yeah, we, we were friends with guys who were in fraternities, but for the most part, our parties on Thursday nights were sort of like epic. And the Thursday night was the party night at, at Boulder in college, and it was all the frat houses had parties. And we would go there too sometimes, but we decided to make – a party to rival all of their parties and it was a house party and it was just off the chain super crazy and really fun and uh a lot of the times the girls would like to come to our party instead so a lot of these sort of fraternity brothers were upset that we were poaching girls from their parties you know this is this is college problems right this is this is the shit yeah. that went down this, this was the the real issues in, in college. You it's know. also the <laughs> the plot of every shitty movie from 1980 yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That college? has to do with college. College was, uh, it was fun. I went two years and then I had to get the hell out of there. I called my mom first semester of my sophomore year and I said, I got to get out of here. I'm wasting your money. You know, I know what I want to do with my life. I, I want to be in the movie business. Let me get a head start. And she says, okay, but finish out the year. Um, and so I did and then left because it was just, it was crazy, dude. The, the first day I got to college, I was in Willville, my dorm in Willville. There was uh, a lot of crazy people running around my friend John Stahlberg, who's still my best friend, was my roommate. Stahlberg, he's Jewish. There was a guy named Mike Rogers, who was full-on mullet, comes over <laughs> to our door. Nicest guy in the world. Knocks on my door. Hey, man, Mike Rogers, bro. Like, hey, yeah, welcome. This is going to be sick. And, yeah, fucking nuts. And I'm like, hey, man, Oliver Hudson, nice to meet you. And, and he goes, my friend's like, John Stahlberg. And then Mike Rogers takes a beat. And he goes, Stahlberg? Wait a minute. Bro, are you Jewish? And John's like, yeah. He goes, fuck, bro. I've never met a Jew before, dude. What's yeah. up? <laughs> Where was he from? Oh, God. I 1940s think Germany? <laughs> yeah, he's just some, like, you know, little town, Midwestern town somewhere. I don't even remember. But I was, John and I were laughing our asses off. But, you know, after the first couple weeks in college, I was like, okay. This is going to be really fun, but really unproductive. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna have the best fucking time. Try to figure it out. Try to get by, and then I, I, I can't. I'm, there's no way I'm gonna finish finish college. And I did. I yeah, went. I, I always said, you know, college would be amazing if you didn't have to do the class part. I just take it that's kind of the way you went about it. You just had a great time and did yeah. the minimum and. Yeah, and I mean, enough to continue on past your freshman year, and then that's basically what I did. Failed I out. Mean, I never. I didn't finish. I didn't finish yeah. college. Yeah, I. Uh, so it was spring break. I went home to L.A. You know, like we all did, and two of my best friends were a year younger than me, so they were still seniors in high school. My mom dropped me off at the airport to go back to Boulder. 
did not go back to Boulder. I just got in a cab and went and stayed at my friend Alex's house for an entire week without my parents knowing I was in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. And I get back to Boulder, and it's finals week, and I haven't studied a goddamn thing. I don't know what's happening. Don't you still have this nightmare? I have this nightmare to this day. Oh, of, I, I, of showing up at test time and having not been in any class. But this wasn't a nightmare. This was a no, choice. No, I know. That's, I, that's right. phenomenal. You I made the it. choice. So listen to what I did. I wrote on all of my tests. I say, look, I can't. I basically, I said, I can't. You, you're going to grade me however you're going to grade me. And I understand. But, you know, my due to the sudden passing of my aunt, you know, I was in L.A. and I was had to be there a week longer and I couldn't study and you know so you know give me a d or give me whatever but you know sorry and four out of the my five classes accepted it and gave me a c grade and then the one class my math class basically said fuck off but (laughs) it it worked i mean it worked (laughs) that's so great uh Oliver, today's guest, Andy Cohen, is about to hop on. I'm excited for this. He's from St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis is a very small town. We hold our own near and dear. And uh, he and I are are one grade apart, basically the same age. He went to uh, a public high school, Clayton High School. I went to the little prep school, Country Day. Um, But we didn't know each other back then. You were the privileged kid, right? And he was the... Rough and tumble. Yeah, if you want to throw generalities out there. Yeah, um, so you know, you were wearing your Oxford, and he was wearing... We had to wear coat and tie every day. You did. You still wear a coat and tie every day. I mean, you, I, I'm wearing a coat and tie right I now. Know. I know. You wake up in the morning and put a coat and tie on to get coffee. It's weird. Yeah. It's old habits die hard. I know. What about dead but habits I, but, die old? Dead habits, dead habits are easy to to let go, but I I it it's helped me because even for a Super Bowl with a hundred million people watching, I can tie my tie without looking in a mirror. Mm-hmm. I can tie my tie. I know how to tie my tie while driving a car. Wow, I'm so good. Can you do it one coming into can school? One handed? Uh, I can't do it one handed. I can drive one-handed. I know you're kind of the 10 and 2 guy. No, uh, I drive with my knees, bro. I literally Yeah, how drive... else are you going to do a live Instagram story? Exactly. I mean, how how else am I going to sort of like just tweet unless I drive with my knees? <laughs> <laughs> I am a By the way, I am a very good knee driver. I, I will say that though. Yeah, one of the best. One uh, of the best. Um yeah, so Andy, but, I'm but excited Andy's... about Andy. I've done Andy's show a few times as well. Uh, does let me ask you this before we start with Andy? Does Aaron watch Real Housewives? No. My wife is obsessed. She has to have it on. It's like white noise. Yeah. While she's doing work or on the you know getting prepared for an interview or whatever. So I have seen all of these casts. I have seen more Andy Cohen in my life than I. I well, don't see. don't take this the wrong way, but I feel like you and Michelle are headed down the housewives sort of path. You know, like I could see you guys in, I don't know, six or seven years being on the show like Edmonds did with his wife, you know? Yeah, that seems to have worked out well. 
you know, it's like Joe Buck and Michelle drags you in. It's like Real Housewives of St. Louis. And you're just like, oh, Michelle, please. I, I just, I, I, my career went so well. I ended on such a high note, I, you know. But if you really want to yeah. do it, if you really want to do it, I, I guess I'll do it. I'll be like the Harry Hamlin of the Real Housewives <laughs> of St. Louis. Hamlin like comes in once every other season and says, right. hey, I'm cooking. Get out of my face. And then that's it. So I'll just do that. And Michelle can do her cat fights with all the other women on there and yell and mm-hmm. scream. And we're doing the celebrity watch party thing on Fox, which uh, eight o'clock Eastern, seven central uh, on Thursday nights. And it's just, that's what we've come to with no live sports. We're doing a show where people are in essence, watching people watch TV. Wow. I don't know what this is. I'm, I'm, I guess I'll check it out. It's like Master P and Romeo. It's the Osbournes. It's the Bucks. It's uh, Tyra Banks and her mom. It's uh, all different people watching shows and commenting. Remember Mystery Science Theater yes, 2000 yes, or whatever yes, it was called? Yes, Which was hilarious yes. and awesome. It's, it's a take on that, but it's on network TV. Okay. Are you getting paid or? Oh, I'm getting paid. You always oh, get paid. You get paid for everything. And I don't even understand. Like, Look at you. You're in a linen closet. Exactly. Uh, this is where I'm living now. Out. This is where I'm living so, now. Why do you get so bitter? Why, why don't I root for you? You should root for me. I root for you in the broadcast world. But for Celebrity Watch Party, I'm not sure I'm a rooting for you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Don't you want to see me always at my best? Don't you think that uh, a rising tide raises all ships? Don't you think that helps daddy issues if Michelle and I it. go on? It's just you got more stuff to do now. You're going to be less focused and a little more fatigued for daddy issues. You know, I've been doing it for the last four weeks. Have you noticed a drop off in my performance? A little bit. You know, I mean, we haven't talked about it. I don't know if I don't want to get get to that on air, but we, we can discuss that after we uh, finish the Cohen interview by the way your hair has grown back very quickly i will say has it yeah it's like back to normal no no i very short no but it it has definitely you know those the the uh whatever they implanted in there like it's taken hold they implanted my own hair i would like people to understand that it's not like off a cadaver it's not off a fucking horse it's it's my own fucking hair that would be in the back of my head it's amazing i know but it's it got front row seats it went from the shitty seats to the front row no it went from the it went to the front line you know (laughs) it did your soldiers like the movie soldiers were were in boot camp in the back there and then they finished boot camp and then now they've been they've been uh moved to the front line to fight the battle it's like 1917 going on in my head. <laughs> Here's a question, though. If they take grays, then is it gray in the front? You mean Meaning like the color of the follicle is what is being transplanted as well. Well, the follicle in, in all its glory, whatever it would be color-wise, mm-hmm. is what it is. I mean, if, if it was... Whatever it looks like on top, it would look like in the back. I assume it has the same DNA, I guess. So same. essentially, if you were really 
creative, you could do a whole patchwork situation between the different colors of your hair. You know, you yeah, could I get, could spell things out. Yeah, you could get artistic. It'd be it would be like it would be like needlepoint. Yeah, <laughs> I'll put my initials or like it <laughs> an R for the Riddler. <laughs> oh, that'd be great, dude! You get a big JB on the top of your head, so when helicopters fly over, they're like, "Oh, there's Joe Buck." Right. I mean, then that's the beauty of having a head size of eight and an eighth. It's that was my football helmet in high school. Now I I wear like seven and five eighths hats, fitted hats. Wow. But my football helmet in high school was eight and an eighth. Jesus. I had to go to the football cardinal. I had to go to the NFL team in St. Louis to get a helmet that fit my melon. Are you are you at all insecure about your massive melon? Totally. Oh, you are. I, th- I didn't, yeah. I didn't know that. This is new. I had no idea you you were you didn't like a, your big head. I, I is there no anything that you can point to on this Zoom call right now that you probably Zoom already call. know? This is our podcast. <laughs> well, I know, but you're looking at me. Oh yeah. No, I mean, I, I I'm honest, saying, don't you think I'm probably knowing me as well as you do? Probably self conscious about just about everything I have going on here. No, not your he- big head. I had no idea that that was a an issue for you. Yeah, that's what those pardon my take guys rip on me for. So when you watch yourself back on Fox or whatever, do you look? Oh shit, my fucking head. No, because I'm okay. Head, I'm I'm okay. Face on. Hi, Andy. Are we talking about your face? We're talking about how big his melon is. He's got a huge head, and uh, he's insecure about his massive... I'm insecure about everything, but one of my top five greatest hits of my insecurities is my massive head and my uh, disappearing hair. It's a bad combination. (laughs) So, um, first of all, people who are on TV for a living have very big faces. So you're supposed to have a big head because Mm -hmm. you're on TV. Second of all, what's happening with your hair? Are you still working with a hair system or what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, it it wasn't, it was not, it wasn't so much a system as much as it was was. a, it was a gash and gash and plant. It was a, it was a pull the bulb out. And as Oliver just said before you hopped on, it was we brought troops from the back ranks just out of uh, Fort Bragg up into the front of front the lines, battle, yeah. front lines of the battle. I like how open you've been about that, by the way. I don't understand why people wouldn't be. And we've had a couple of people on here on this podcast. We've only done it, you know, probably less than 10. But one of them who's on TV a lot admitted that he had hair transplant surgery that was joel McHale, right which i i spotted a mile away and uh yeah but did uh, you his hair looks really good he's got better he's got a better head for it and better hair he's got like kind of that black wiry hair i've got baby's hair i've got thin shitty hair on top of disappearing hair it's it's just it's the absolute cocktail of death for my (laughs) uh (laughs) self-confidence uh where are you in the hamptons there I am in the Hamptons. I'm trying to find some good light. Yeah, it's my- so pretty. Holy shit, it's beautiful. So Andy and I 
it's weird because I, I don't really know Andy well. I've been on his show, but he and I are almost the exact same age. We're from a couple miles away from each other. I know members of his family. Uh, and now he's in the Hamptons and I'm still where I was, uh, back when we were going to high school, you've, you've left us in the dust, Andy. It's true. God, uh, good on you. You've, you, your career has been amazing. Do you, do you ever take a minute and look back and go, Oh my God, what, how did this all blow up like this? And, and it should have, because you're obviously a talented guy and you have unbelievable ideas, but that doesn't always mean it's going to be successful. Uh, I am definitely someone who lives more in gratitude and positivity than the other. And I think, especially since I started out behind the camera and, uh, producing, and I had initially wanted to be in front of the camera and just kind of got, got sucked into the energy of New York city and living there and being, you know, I was like, you know what, screw it. I want to stay here. I don't want to go to a smaller market and work my way up. And I was working at CBS News at the time. And so I gave it up. So I'm especially grateful that I've had this second life uh, on the air, which has only been in the last, you know, 14, 15 years. So I had a whole life before that where I was behind the scenes. And uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm pretty grateful about it, and I do look back on it. And um, yeah, but were you ever cutthroat? I mean, were you ever like a cutthroat asshole where you were like, I I need to, I need to be this person to get to where I want to go, or have you always been cool? I feel like I've always been cool, but I wonder if there are people that I cut along the way who might disagree with you. <laughs> I think. Um, I mean, because I also was always, there was a long, there was a period of time where I was always the youngest. I was like, wow, he's the youngest producer at CBS News, or he's the youngest senior producer at CBS News. Or So there was a time when I was coming up. So I'm sure that there were people who, you know, who didn't enjoy that, who had spent more time there. Um so I don't know. Maybe they. It, it's a weird feeling because I was always the he's the youngest to do the World Series on national TV. He's the youngest, to, and now now I'm 51. I'm not in the You're category the of the youngest anything. Yeah, yeah. which is it, it's and yet and Oliver and I have talked about this before. I guarantee you're the same way. You still interview people. You still look at this business. You still from those younger eyes, right? You don't really. I don't really think of myself. I, I interview head coaches and players that I feel like are still older than me, and they're not. I'm yeah, older you know, than them. It's wild. It's really wild. I mean, Joe, you and I were talking about this on the radio the other day. It's wild when you find out how old people are. It really shapes your attitude about you know, how you feel. And and I was saying it to you specifically about baseball players who I romanticize to no end. And then you sit down and have a beer with them. And, you know, it's, it's, they're very young and pretty simple minded about, you know, playing baseball and doing their thing. And so it, it just kind of, uh, it shifts your perception of things when you realize yeah. how old people are. No, I know. And I mean, we can go in a million different directions. The last thing Oliver and I ever want to do is ask you the same old shit that you've been asked on three million interviews. Good, I dare done. you. I no, dare I'm, you. I'm. I want to go. I want to just be mundane. That's that's kind of my vibe. 
Oh, you've seen a lot of Oliver lately. You've had oh, Oliver yeah. and Kate on. You had Oliver and Goldie on. Yeah. And now here you are on Oliver's podcast. I mean, it's I'm Oliver's on. world, and I'm just living in it. Oh, man. That's so I nice. I know how you feel. I wish yeah, that I was, know how you feel. Uh, you know, I mean, by the way, so you're in between two spots right now. Are you with your boy? I actually came out to the Hamptons for 24 hours to um, – I'm trying to figure out about I'm on a two week hiatus from watch what happens live. And I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to do my show from here uh, for the summer, or at least until I can get back into my studio. And I was checking Wi-Fi connections and I was checking how that all might work and trying to find a place for my nanny to live. So actually I'm here alone for 24 hours. Oh yeah. That can be nice though. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, being a father, like I have three kids and uh, sometimes being away is part of the great feelings of what it's like to be a dad, because you forget what it's like to be alone. And I think it's a necessity. It's a different time now. Obviously, you know, you are we are with our kids 24 hours a day, which is great. And I think that there has been a movement, you know, a lot of people are experiencing life like they never have, you know, as far as connecting with their family goes, as far as parents who aren't able to be there every day with their children. And now they are, you know, yeah. which is a very important thing. I think there's a lot of silver linings that can come out of this. But at the same time, it's always fucking nice to just be able to be alone and to have no sounds in your house. I love that. And I, I long for that, honestly. <laughs> I love it too. I will say I um, I had coronavirus and I had to quarantine from Ben for two weeks. So I was in my room and he was in his and I, you know, he didn't realize I was in the apartment the whole mm. time, but it mm-hmm. was like torture hearing uh. him walking by my room to go to eat. And I'm, you know, I'm watching him on the nanny cam. I mean, it was, that's crazy. It was crazy. It Were was, you able to be a father, uh, you know, via FaceTime? No. 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 I FaceTimed him once towards the beginning, a couple days in, and he was kind of confused. He FaceTimes his grandparents and stuff like that, but he didn't love FaceTiming me. He was, I think it was upsetting him a little bit. And so then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stay in here. And, and uh, kids have the same sense of time as dogs, I think. So the great (laughs) thing was when I went in his room after my doctor said, okay, you can see him again. It was like, uh, I walked in and, and my and the pediatrician said, you know, he might dish you, he might be mad at you, whatever. But I walked in and uh, I was like, hey, and his face lit up, which was great. And then he went back to playing with his blocks and I sat down with him and then we were playing with his blocks. I was like, you know what? This is this is good because it yeah. means he's not in trauma. Honest, so Mike, honestly, hold on, Joe. It's a great lesson. Because I think that we we project this sort of abandonment feeling onto our own children, you know, meaning if we're away for two or three days, we have this sense or I can speak for myself. I have this sort of sense of am I fucking them up because I'm not I'm not with them. 
the reality is, is they don't really give a shit. They can feel your love. They know that you love them. And then you enter their world again. And for a good 35 seconds, they feel it. And they're like, yeah. And then they're off doing their own shit. And, and all I was going to say along, I was going to say the same thing. Andy, my wife and I uh, put the same kind of guilt in our own heads with regard to FaceTime. Because when this whole thing broke out, she and I were in Europe together and you FaceTime and then, you know, they, they kind of look and they get it for a minute. Then they turn away and we would hang up going, they're mad. They're mad at us. They're they're pissed. We're gone. And it's like, no, they just don't understand the fact they look. I'm sure they think we're trapped inside this little machine. Like, I'm not interested in looking into a screen and talking to my mom and dad. I've got way cooler stuff right behind me. I'm just going to do that. So, yeah, right. It's just funny how our own guilt comes out. How, how old is Ben? Parenting. He's uh, he is only he's just about sixteen months. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you're in the you're just in the you're in the very fucking beginning stages of all of this. Very beginning. Are you gonna? Is this it, or do you want to have another kid? Uh, I do want to have another kid. I just have been working very hard to get surrogacy passed in New York State, which just happened. Um, but it's going to take, I had this idea that it would get passed and then I could be like, okay, well, I'm going to find a surrogate and then she'll be pregnant by August because that was my timeline. But, um, it's not exactly, that's not really how it works. How does it work by the way? And what exactly were you fighting for? What, 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 well, what I mean, laws weren't there? It was illegal paid gestational surrogacy was illegal in the state of New York. It was only one of three states where it was illegal, which is nuts given how progressive New York state is. Um, and so we, uh, so that I was just fighting for it to be made legal for, you know, on behalf of all the couples that are dealing with, you know, infertility or struggles to be able to have kids. I mean, and for on behalf of uh, LGBTQ folks who, you know, aren't able to do it themselves. So, um, I had my son in Los Angeles um, through an incredible surrogate there. And, you know, I, I would prefer to just do it in New York next time if I can. Now, when, 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 you're, do, when you're going through that process with your surrogate, do you feel connected you know, during it, the process, you know, when she's pregnant? Big, that's the big it's hard enough for a dad to feel connected to the baby because we didn't carry the baby and we, you know, there's just, uh, there's an obvious biological connection that your wives have with your babies, but even, you know, long before they're born. So um, as it was triply uh, difficult trying to create those connections when you know, I, I, I've got a surrogate carrying my child. And not only do I have a surrogate carrying my child, but she's across the country because it's illegal to have happen in my own state. So, you know, I went to some doctor's appointments with her. She sent me, we FaceTime during other doctor's appointments. So I saw the sonogram. I mean, you know, it's wild. I remember I was taping a reunion show for this show, Southern Charm. And, um, she sent the first sonogram uh, while I was on lunch break. And I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God. I mean, it was, you know, it was incredible, but it's also, and I talked to Anderson Cooper about this a lot, 
while um, he he just had a baby. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was like, look, this is really, um, it's really unusual. And it's very unusual. Here I was at Cedar sinai uh, where Ben was born. And That's I'm where I was born, room. too. Oliver was born there, too. And I'm in the delivery room. And um, they the cool thing was they hand the they handed Ben to me immediately and I wow. had my shirt off and I did the skin to skin with him, you know, so that was my first kind of real connection. What was that feeling? I mean, was it emo- pretty emotional for you or sort of holy shit? Emotional. It was like, Oh my God. I mean, it was everything. And I'm looking at him. It was, it was, it was everything. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, it's funny because I tell, and, and this is only from my own experience, you know, I think there's this misconception that you have to feel love at first sight. Right. And and I and I had a friend who was having a kid. Actually, Chris D'Elia was having his baby and he was on our podcast and that wasn't born yet, but we were talking about this. And, you know, it's just wasn't the case for me. It was like, holy fuck. Look what's happening right now. Wow. I, I can't even believe this is happening. The love part grew and happened a little bit later, but I didn't feel guilty for not feeling love at first sight. It's just what it was, you yeah. know. Were you was it immediate love or was it was it more of just wow? This it is was immediate amazing. love and wow and wonderment, but also it it's what you say. I needed to establish my own biological connection with him mm-hmm. and it just grew every day. And it's about putting in the time. And I think dads have to work maybe a little harder in a way just because we're not nursing them and we're not, I mean, who can compete with mommy? I mean, you know, so that is really hard. Um, Me being a single parent, I think he, he know, I mean, he has a different vibe when I walk into a room than anyone else. And I obviously love that. Mm-hmm. But I will say it's definitely the, the, the love it's some, you know, you start out at a base point of love and then I think it grows and you have, yeah. different. I have to say the quarantine has for sure made me fall, you know, deeper in love with him. And I've just gotten to spend more time with him and he's, he's kind of grown a lot during this period and gotten even, you know, even more fun. So did you, did you, um, you were, you went into this as a single dad, right? You didn't have someone and then broke up, right? You were, you went into this as a single dad. Did that weigh in any of your decision-making like, okay, I'm going to be a single dad or was it just like, fuck it, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. I was like, I'm not waiting, you know? Yeah. I'm not waiting for anyone to buy me diamonds and I'm not waiting for anybody to say, let's have a child to, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's TikTok. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. you know, I was turning 50. So I was like, okay, it is the last exit on the highway is coming up and what am I doing? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just felt like I had to take matters into my own hands. I, th- I think the last question along these lines, and, and we can jump off it, is just with regard to that connection with mom. I would imagine when you go through surrogacy, there has to be a lot of paperwork and a lot of, uh, I don't know, defense against somebody carrying a baby and then really not being involved yes. after the fact. Well, that's, you know, 
that is at the beginning of the session, we had a session with a moderator who I think was a shrink of some kind where we discuss issues that can come up and what, what you're referring to. And I said to her one day, uh, we were at a doctor's appointment and I turned to her and again, here we have this, I, this is the woman that's going to carry my child. And this is the woman who is carrying my child. And, um, you know, I, I turned to her and said, aren't you, first I was like, God, this is freaky. Like, this is freak. This is wild. Like, I can't believe this. And then I said, aren't you kind of freaked out about giving birth to him and then handing him over to me? I mean, does that... And she said, no, that's why I'm here. She said, the benefit, the gift for me is getting to see your face mm. the moment that you hold him. And so, I mean, that's an amazing, that shows you the, 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 where the vibe of the surrogates is, which is really incredible. But it's pure selflessness. Yeah. Really, you know. And I just kept saying, yeah, but aren't, isn't it going to be weird for you? And <laughs> you right. Out. Yeah. You know, and so she was great. It was weird at Cedar Sinai. They're not set up. You know, I had I spent the first night in the hospital with Ben because I was like, I'm not going home when my baby's in the hospital. I'm spending the night in the hospital. But I wound up having this adjoining alcove kind of this room with a little couch in it. My surrogate was in the hospital room and I was in this little closet alcove sleeping on this leather couch that, and I was like, are you sure this is my room? Like, uh, <laughs> like $5,000 for this room. Like, I <laughs> right. Yeah. My God, dude, they're so fucking expensive. Those oh like God, sweets and cedars. I had a moment, by the way, I was like, um, Hey, can you come here? Um, I, I the right room. Um, this is supposed to be like the presidential, you know, whatever. Anyway, uh, it was. I was not in the Liz Taylor suite, but it, it didn't matter. I didn't get any sleep anyway because I was so excited. Mm. Uh, but it was just odd because she's the surrogate, not the mom, and I'm the only parent and. It was a it was a mm. interesting night. Um, well, yeah, let, 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 I just, just want to go back. Let's talk about your dad um, growing up. What was your relationship like with him and your parents, but specifically like your father? Um, I mean, I'm a mama's boy. My mom is um, very has a very strong personality, uh, and um, you know. I'm the trope of the gay Jewish kid with mm -hmm. the mom who's very got, got a big personality. Now, let me say this. I always had a great relationship with my dad and I still do. Um, my dad, my dad always used to want to coach my, uh, my elementary school baseball uh, team. And I was horrible. I had terrible. I mean, Ben right now, my son has better eye-hand coordination than I <laughs> had for most of my life. And, um, and I was like, no, dad, I, not only do I not want you to come to any of my games, but I absolutely forbid you from ever coaching any of my games. We would play catch after dinner. He would be like, 
you know, he would turn to me and say the dreaded three words, want to play catch? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh. And sometimes I would play for him because I knew he wanted to play catch with me so bad. Uh. Um, but my dad is great. And uh, we had a food manufacturing and distribution company, my family business, Allen Foods, which uh, Joe, you probably saw the trucks and stuff growing up. I, oh, I know Josh and Jody really well. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, sure. my cousins. Um, so we all worked at the family business and it was cool. And my dad ran the manufacturing division and I worked for him and he would drive me to work in the summers. You know, we would go to work, mm-hmm. we would go to lunch every day and we go to Uncle Bill's pancakes. And so, I mean, I had a pretty idyllic uh, childhood. Was he uh, affectionate growing up? Was he a loving man? Totally, you know? yeah. totally great. And yeah, I mean, we had a, I had a great childhood with him. Mm-hmm. And then when you sort of came out, he was fully on board. Yeah, I mean, when I came out, uh, I said to my, I left a letter out. That I went to London to study abroad and I wound up kind of coming out to some people there. And I came back for Christmas break and I wrote a letter to a friend and I left it out in the den and it had everything in it. And my mom thinks I left it there on purpose so she would find it. And she found it. And then after dinner, they went, I knew she found it. They went up to their room and closed the door, which they never did. Mm. And uh, my dad went to play tennis after it was his tennis night. And so um, he went to play tennis and she came in my room and said, you have something to tell me. And I said, I think you already know. And she said, I want you to say the words to me. Like you have to say it. So I said it and I start crying and she's crying she said, you know, I probably would have hated your wife anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what a great line. I mean, that I says everything about your mom right there in one sentence. That's how, I know. that's your mom. I know. Right? And you know what? She probably would have hated my wife. Right, my yeah. Wife probably would have hated her too. But anyway, um, so then, and she's like, you know, I mean, of course your father had to go play tennis. He's in denial here. He knew what this conversation was. So he comes home. And she's like, come up here. We want to, we need to talk to you. He goes, I'm going to have my orange first. Cause he always ate an orange after he played tennis. She's like, he is delaying this as long as he possibly can. So he comes upstairs. I go sit down. He goes, I don't want to sit down. I go, I'm gay. He goes, I, I want to sit down. So he sat down. He kind of <laughs> And then he was like, well, you know, he went through this thing of, um, well, if, if, if Jackie came in here right now, who's a girl that I grew up with, and she was naked, would you get turned on? And I'm like, well, no, I don't. I, I said, I really don't think so. He goes, well. He's like, here's Jackie. And she yeah, walks exactly. in. And, yeah. and then I'm like, look, <laughs> I said, maybe if she started like rubbing up on me and my eyes were closed and there was... We now are going in variations of Jackie right. being in the room where I get a boner, basically. Right, if Jackie had a dick. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> um, if her brother was there. So um, it was so, somebody said to me, uh, he goes, you know what? I'm your dad and I love you no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you know what? How cool, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he just, he said it that night. He clearly had probably had a really shitty tennis game knowing that his son, his only son was about to come out to him. The irony is at the time that I came out, that was 1988. 
So basically the fear was, and it was just very much in the room that I was going to die soon after because every gay person was dying of AIDS. So, and how old were you then? I was 20 or 21. No, I was crazy. And my dad was like, he took me to lunch the next day and he tried to talk to me about AIDS and safe sex, which was a topic that he knew absolutely nothing about. And it was one of the most uncomfortable, but heartwarming, you know, and I was sitting there and I was like, Oh God, he's trying to talk to you about safe sex. Like this is the sweetest thing ever, you know? And I was like, dad, I know. And I know how it works and it's okay. And I'm not going to die. So they not only thought I was telling them I was going to die, but they thought I was telling them that if I live, I would never be able to have kids. And, you know, and my mom afterwards, she was like, look, we have to mourn the loss of you having a family because you're never going to be able to have a family. And so it's amazing that all these years Mm -hmm. later and they're both alive and we're Mm -hmm. FaceTiming them with their grandkid. I mean, it's really wild. Has the rest rest of society progressed as much as society thinks it has? Like you being a single gay dad, do you still get the the looks, the nasty, the texts, the emails? I would like to say yes, but it's funny. There was something, I don't know what I did, but I don't know why it was there, but there was something about me and Ben on TMZ. And I read the comments very innocently. There were lots of comments and they were really horrible about how could he have a child and, you know, this poor child and I don't understand and how does this work? I mean, it was just all really nasty stuff. Uh, So I would like to say that society has progressed, Mm -hmm. uh, but we have a vice president that believes in conversion therapy for gay people. So, You know, I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, you know, we're 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 I think progressing. I, I don't I don't think there is a an ED at the end of progress. You know? I, yeah, exactly. But that being said, you know, look, I was a single gay dad on the cover of People magazine with my baby, and totally. I like to think that maybe there was some kid in, you know, St. Louis who didn't think he could ever come out, who maybe saw that cover in a super at Schnucks and said, "Oh, you know, I, you know, maybe I could do this." So, oh, Schnucks for sure. is big here, Oliver. Is big. I, I, I assume um, so. There's no doubt, though, that you know, with as with the high profile, your high profile, and you being as open and unfiltered as you are, that you are touching and affecting and changing many many people's lives well, there's just listen, no doubt about that I, you know knows, but i i i i think it's great i you know any any people doing it in public and now you got anderson cooper you mm-hmm. know so you know hopefully people are seeing it and won't think it's weird were you promiscuous back in the 80s in your 20s were you like a crazy person or were you pretty, was pretty yeah was or are you <laughs> no i mean in the i know you are now i'm sure there's oh, there's yeah oh oh come on i can you can just feel it man I mean, listen but but hold I'm on hold on guy. here's how i explain <laughs> it to straight people men are dogs yeah i'll take women who are telling them no out of the equation yeah so what do you have just a dog pound oh dude i lived 
I lived on Santa Monica Boulevard in Robertson for, you know, for five, six years. And I would walk my kid. I would walk Wilder on, on Sunday evenings. And a, Sunday evenings was oh, yeah. Sunday fun time. Oh, there were dudes dancing and things. And Wilder was looking around and, you know, taking it all in. And I remember thinking, God, like. This must be so much fun. You could just go get laid any time you want. Like, how amazing is is this lifestyle? But my point is, my point is, in the eighties, when you were promiscuous, or if you were, were you? Did you have? Were you fe- living in fear? You know, because even as a straight guy, I was living in fear. I know? was. I was. I mean, every time I went and got an AIDS test, I was absolutely not just when I went and got tested. I mean. And I had safe sex all my time, which is why I'm still alive right now. But the answer is yes. I thought I was going to die. I absolutely thought I was going to die. And so did all of my friends. And some did. Um, but uh, yes, I absolutely. Where's it, where are we at now, you know, as far as that goes? Because obviously there's been somewhat of an eradication. It's not gone, but there's it's not the fear that we had in the 80s. Like what's sex like? nowadays right you know right well i mean where we are now is that we've got uh truvada and we have i mean there are people who've been living with aids for years and years and years it's still people are still dying but it's much and the transmission is less i mean it's kind of incredible what's happened has sex stayed safe well now there are um now there are there's a wonder drug an hiv prevention wonder drug called Truvada that um, people are on that allows you to kind of throw caution to the wind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you, you get coronavirus after, I mean, the irony. Oh, I know. Of it's all so that. funny. You know, it's, it's ironic. I was, um, I was, it, what's interesting is so, someone turned to me and said, can you believe we're living through a plague? And I'm like, sister, I already lived through a plague. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but yeah. So yeah, then I got Corona. Joke of jokes. I have a Corona question. Okay. It's not your typical one, but what was masturbation like during those two weeks while you're in the, while you are feeling the coronavirus? I did not, I did not one time I did not jerk off for I had no desire. I had absolutely no desire, which really shows you how sick I was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why I wanted to measure. Did how you, sick did you, you ever let your mind go to the worst possible outcome or were you just feeling like, Hey, really I've, I've got the flu. I, I felt like, I had one of those pulse ox machines where you can monitor how much blood is going to your lungs. And so I, my lung, my, actually my lung still hurts weirdly. It takes, I just got an x-ray um, two weeks ago because I'm still having like pain there, but it just takes forever to clear up. I had a friend who had it really bad who lived a block away from me and he was about four days ahead of me with it. And he was in way worse shape than I was. So I was actually far more worried about him than I. And I didn't take it to a bad place because I just, my symptoms, while not good, were never like, oh my God, I can't breathe or hold my breath. 
Mm-hmm. Do you ever get tired of carrying all these banners? You know, I, I work with a guy who had a bunch of concussions in Troy Aikman, who whenever somebody has concussion questions on a national level, they go to Troy to talk about concussions. Now, you know, you're a, you're a gay single dad. You've had coronavirus. Everybody comes to you to kind of lead them through the woods on everything, it seems like. Does that get tiring, being the guy that's known as the guy who's done all these things and kind of blazed a trail? Uh, it's exhausting being a trailblazer, Joe Buck. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I mean. Fuck you know, off. You know I, what I'm talking about. The answer about. is that I, I think what's cool about it is, you know, when after I had corona, I, I – it was like I, I I talked about it on the radio and I, I went on Howard Stern and whatever. And I thought, well, you know what? This is cool because the truth is 80 percent of the people who get it, it's it's fine and it works their way through their system. And so I thought, well, this will be good for people to hear. And then on the, you know, on the 20th request to talk about it, you say, I've yeah. done mm-hmm. it. So the answer is when I get tired of talking about it, I stop talking about it. Right. Well, that's why I wanted to know about your masturbation in Corona. That because that, is a topic that I love talking about. Well, because that really, that instead of saying how bad were the symptoms, all you have to do is ask how many times you jerked off. And if it's zero, you know it was pretty fucking bad. <laughs> that is exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Right. But I couldn't different... say that to Hoda Kotb. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I was reading like some of these notes and it says that you went to this camp and became an NRA certified rifleman in four positions? What the hell is that? I'm an expert rifleman. I went to Camp Nebagaman in Lake Nebagaman, Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, home of a lot of you know other nice Jewish boys from around the country, and especially in the Midwest. And um, yeah, listen, I sucked at sports, so <laughs> riflery was kind of considered a sport. <laughs> And I was like, and my mom was furious. She was like, I'm paying all these bills for these bullets. Like you're using uh, too many bullets. I'm like, I got to get certified in four positions, mom. And I was on the rivalry team. It was like the only sport sport wow. I was ever good at. And how are you NRA certified? Like, what is that even? I mean, well, no, Charlton Heston, get- Char- Charlton Heston comes to him. <laughs> yeah, what, right. what are some of the positions you're certified in? Reverse cowgirl. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what what are they? Um, I mean, like under the arm, no, over he, the shoulder. He, he can shoot a rifle from doggy reverse cowgirl. Right. They're prone, <laughs> sitting, standing, and kneeling. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Do you own guns now or no? Absolutely not. Okay. I just had to check. It but would have I mean, been a big, you know, big news if you did. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I mean. Yeah, besides the two AK 47s, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fling that window open and just spray the pond yeah, back exactly. there or whatever you got behind you. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It is. I, it's just, it's fun for us to sit back here and we do. We, it, isn't it amazing how St. Louis hangs on to their own? Like, I, I don't know any other community. We just had Nikki Glazer on two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, I love her. I we I didn't even know she was from St. Louis. She's in St. Louis now during this whole quarantine. Yeah, I just mess, had Ellie Kemper on uh, Watch What Happens Live. From she was from St. Louis. She was at her parents in the basement. Their Wi-Fi sucks, by the way. If you're ever trying to 
Jeff to Ellie Kemper, don't don't use her parents' Wi-Fi. Well, it's like me with you and your fucking show. It keeps dropping out. It drove me crazy. No, yours was dropping out. That's what I mean. Mine was dropping out because my kids are on Zoom classroom. And and Aaron, my wife, is like, oh, well, we can't. What are we going to do? I'm like, fuck it. I'll just deal with it, you know. Um, Does does she not realize how big Watch What Happens Live is? I, I see Andy more than I see anybody on television because my wife is obsessed with every grouping of housewives you've put together. Nice. And so I, I can name every cast. I can. I it's, love it. By the way, you Tom, are, did you know that game six was on the other night of the 2011 world series? It was on the, I got more. I know I got more messages on game six in doing in 2020 than I did in 2011. I when it actually happened. Last half hour and cried like a baby. Why do I cry so hard at the, I mean, don't you think it I, I just feel like it takes you back, you know, it takes you back to a time in your life, especially in this town, in this city where it's just it's kind of the soundtrack of your childhood, isn't it? And yeah. it, I'm sure th- there are things that it, it dredges up in you that makes you feel young again or wistful or something about the Cardinals that I don't know. We don't have a whole hell of a lot going on around here. I don't know if you've noticed that, yeah. Andy, but that's one thing that everybody latches into somehow, some way. And I, it's special, and that's okay. I think yeah. that's a good thing. Well, Waka is the name of the dog, right? Is that is that? Do I, do I that's pronounce true. that right? That's he's a he was a pitcher, right? And now he's a Met. Now he's a Met. I know. Now well, he's a Met. Why yeah. were you? Why were you feeling this guy? Was what was what was his deal? The day I rescued Waka the dog, uh, we were playing the Dodgers in the playoffs, and it was like twenty thirteen. I believe would that be right? yeah yeah I think that's right um yeah and, and Waka was a rookie I think Waka was a rookie and he was pitch he was it was his moment and everybody in St. Louis was cheering Waka Waka and I was like you know what that's a good name for a dog like it's a sound it's you know mm-hmm. it doesn't mean anything so it meant something to Fozzie Bear, for God's sake. Everybody was like, oh, either Waka Flocka or Fozzie Bear. Right. Like, waka, Waka, Waka. He's named after a pitcher in St. Louis. And then Michael Waka kind of started to, you know, have some troubles. And then I was like, oh, man, like, this is my dog. Are you, is your, are you, but is your dog not with you? Is is Waka quarantined somewhere else? Waka has been in Connecticut for the quarantine. Um, Why? Uh, it's such a long story, Oliver. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't need that. But but would you give up a week with Ben to have Waka with you? <laughs> if I say yes to that, the, the headline <laughs> is going to be my favorite. <laughs> Let me just say Waka is my first child. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, um, how are you overall with where we sit? in society in 2020 with the Corona virus, since you've had it. I just, I'm asking people in television and people, we, we sit in a weird spot because you've kind of been able to continue on. Right. Oliver had a pilot. He yeah, was right. getting ready to shoot. He gets shut down. I'm in sports and who knows if or when that's all going to start. So are, are you optimistic, pessimistic, just general strokes? I am... <sighs> That's really hard. I am an optimist by heart, but I just feel like I am a little pessimistic. I feel like 
I just think there's it, it, there's too there's too much unknown to know. You know, I don't know if there's about to be some massive second wave, uh, and so I, I don't know. I, I by the way, I don't even I know that I have the antibodies, but I don't know that I can't get it again. There are cases right. of people getting it again, so you know, there's so much that we don't know, and it's disconcerting to me that the there is no real leadership on the issue and that somehow this as with everything else has turned into something partisan, which seems unimaginable to me. Yeah. It's so scattered like the rules and the, the rules and even laws in St. Louis are different all over this city, let alone what you've experienced in New York or Oliver's experienced in LA. It's like, it's a virus. It's not, has nothing to do with state lines or what community you live in. So I'm with you on all that. Are you able to, is production going to continue for the Real Housewives? Or, and, and you're We're shut down. On? I mean, we are shut down. I've done a few virtual reunion shows uh, from my house, which were interesting. And uh, But no, we were in the middle of shooting the Housewives of Orange County, and that shut down. And we had just started shooting Jersey and Dallas, and those are shut down. So... Um, I'm hoping to do the Beverly Hills reunion in person. It's my hope. Um, I don't know how, you know, so. Are you lonely? <laughs> you know, I mean, are you lonely at all? It's, it's I am not... lonely. I realized about three weeks ago, I had put Ben to bed and I was downstairs and I was like, wow, you know, you've kind of been alone for this whole time. I mean, obviously I've been with Ben and and his nanny but i mean in a sense i feel that i have been alone this whole time and uh so the answer is yeah i am kind of lonely i'm a really i said in my doorman the other day i was walking outside with my fucking mask on and i turned to him and i said you know i used to lead a very interesting life there was a dog there were places to go there was luggage i mean this is like something else. Mm-hmm. Is there any reset for you in all of this? Or, or There has been a reset. I have to say, I've been trying to lean into things that I have been able to do um, that I wouldn't have otherwise done. So my things are, I was waiting to fall in love to watch Game of Thrones because I had never seen Game of Thrones. The pandemic came first. I watched the entire eight seasons um, in five weeks. I loved it. It was joyous. I absolutely loved it. It was so fun. It was great. Perfect quarantine binge. Mm -hmm. I've been riding my bike around the city a lot. I mean, it is so fun to just take a little edible and get on your bike and like go. And there's no cars and you really, I mean, I had the coolest bike ride on Sunday, just going around. I mean, I was at Rock Center where I work, and there was not one person anywhere. And it was just, it was, it was exciting. I mean, that's awesome. People, you can see buildings that you haven't seen. My next phase, and this will be the next phase of this, is that I'm going to start reading um, a lot more. And I just wasn't reading, I think because I was watching so much Game of Thrones and there was nothing yeah. I wanted to read, but I now have three books. So I'm psyched about that. 
and in human connection. I mean, you're you're single. I am single. So how how is being single like this? You know what I mean? Especially Not with fun. it's it's like how do you even do it? I mean, I, I yeah. I mean, you know, I started when I started feeling better when I was still sequestered uh, from Ben. I went back on Tinder, which I hadn't, which I have a Tinder, but I'm not really. So I was like, well, I'll, I'll start talking to people on here and maybe I'll make a lasting connection. But I didn't. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> well, you would think you would think that the quarantine would actually, you know, promote emotional connection. Yes, right? right. Because usually it's all about fucking. It's like Tinder, swipe this or whatever. And it's like, oh, right. let's hook up. But nowadays it's like oh well let's get to know each other before we even can get physical i wonder if that's even happening yeah i mean so but the answer is no i've met no one i got a lot of interesting dms and um so that's always is anything off limits for you as far as like what you do on your show what you say or do you know i mean because you've built your whole life on your authenticity and, and it's truly that meaning nothing nothing none of what you do is forced. It doesn't seem like, oh, you're just doing this to be, you know, shocking in any right. sort of way. You're like a Stern that way, I would you know. Stern is kind of my broadcasting role model. And yeah, he's the best. The good news for me is I came up uh, in TV asking the housewives questions and I could ask them absolutely anything. I was asking them nuanced questions about their breasts, you know, for like a long period of time. And so then when I started having, you know, when Oprah came on my show, you know, I asked her if she had ever swum in the lady pond. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to do this with, with real people too. And so it just kind of stuck. So the answer is no, nothing's really no. off limits. I, I, I find that nothing's off limits. There's nothing you won't reveal about yourself, meaning like you don't have any secrets that you would be that you would be afraid to sort of say yeah, in you are blackmail proof Oh, about myself. Well, I mean, I would say now that, well, let me say this. I started writing a diary. I wrote two diaries and published them and they were based off Andy Warhol's diaries, which were published and they were called the Andy Cohen diaries. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I started working on one when I started my endeavor to have been, and it was really funny. And I talked about going into the, um, you know, the the place and masturbating into a cup and the whole thing. And I mean, it was great. And then I was like, oh, my God, dude, you can't publish this. Your son is going to read this. Like, <laughs> right. This is forget that. How about you? Did your dad like eat his orange before he cracked that open to uh, dive through? <laughs> that is so funny. Well, you know, it's funny because the other books I said to them, look there's some stuff in here or my mom is always texting like this is disgusting i'll be on the radio and she'll be on a walk listening and she'll text me and say this is disgusting no one needs to know that you know whatever but you know i'm like look I, i'm not this this show is not for you mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> exactly i think your mom should hang out with my mom i'm sure they don't live far apart I'm we are sure. all in st louis after all yeah. they sound like the same type person I, I in fact what i will take away from this interview is is we're getting there um obviously is the moment you had with your mom i mean i know we call this daddy issues but yeah. when she made you say it yeah and then the two of you broke down crying i, I would imagine because it was like the dam broke and you 
there was this loving moment that I, I, I would imagine that's what ruled that moment was the love 100%. between you two. And, you know, she had found some porn under my bed a year before, a few years before. So she knew what she was dealing with. And her shrink had said to her, stop going under his bed. You're like an alcoholic going to survey the liquor in the bar. Like, stop going in there. And um, so she obviously knew what I had to say. But, um, yeah. What about bringing boyfriends home? Did you? How was that with your dad and bringing boyfriends home? You know, I didn't bring boyfriends home. They met my first boyfriend at my college graduation. And I would. It didn't, he was this super waspy guy. He was older. He was like 26. I was 21. I mean, it was weird is the answer. It was. It was weird. Yeah. But it's gotten better. We've had good family vacations with boyfriends. I mean, you know, now I'll be like, oh, I have a date. My And my mom will be like, well, how old is this one? And I'm like, mm-hmm. 28. <laughs> and, <laughs> Then she's like, dare I ask, which means, is he Jewish? Yeah. And I'm like, you know the answer to that, Mom. All right. <laughs> but, but everything can't get put into the gay category, right? That'd be the same conversation no matter who you were dating. I mean, if, yeah. if you know, how old's this girl? Oh. Dare I ask? It'd be the same thing. It's not, everything can't get put in the same bucket just be, I you know, was because straight. it's a man and not a woman. If I was straight, I would be such a disaster. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't even imagine what would be happening. I wonder how many kids I would. I, I, I don't. I, I, I can't imagine. Have I, you watched? Have you watched Unorthodox? Yeah, I did. Did did that? That's hit crazy any shit. Chords with you? I, I I just finished it uh, on the recommendation of my daughter. Well, I, I that that girl's amazing. I know, I, but the, but the actress. but the the documentary one of us is is even better. I don't know if oh, you've really? seen that. Oh God, it's it's the real life look at it, and it follows three um you know ultra orthodox Hasids who are le- who are leaving right and sort of what that is, and it's just crazy shit. Wow, crazy shit. You know. It's definitely something yeah, I, to see. I don't know. I was just I, I was just led there because you're talking about binge watching. Not that that's you know any huge commitment. It's only four well, episodes, but I, it is it is a peek into a, a life that yeah no is I'm, jarring. I, yes, that was that was amazing. I'm gonna watch Babylon Berlin next. Have you guys seen that? Mm-mm, no, oh, it's supposed to be- no. Um, I have a question. I, I have one. I have a question, and then we'll get going. But but and maybe I'm off base here. You know about sort of this world that we're living in now, which is progressing to a place that I think it, it should be in it. I think it should obviously go much further as far as, you know, the, the LGBTQ community and um, just, just being different in general. Okay. So my theory, not theory, but my question is, um, so there's an acceptance of course that is happening right now with whoever you want to be is okay and this is the way that i feel as well i don't give a shit who you are who you love who you want to fuck love trumps everything in this case scenario okay um but is there a is there a grace period that needs to be given to people who don't quite understand it not understand it but who are not you know, fully sort of um, comfortable with it, you know, meaning not from a personal standpoint, 
if you see a transgender person walking down the street, is it a normal reaction to say like, oh, wow, that's a man dressed as a woman? Right. There's, it's okay, in my opinion, to think that. That doesn't mean that you're being derogatory in any way. Like anything else, there, there needs to be an adjustment period to where it is absolutely normal. Well, you I, know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that something that the uh, – forget it. It's too long of a spiel. But- uh, no, I know, I know, but I, I'm just, yes, I, I, think I think that it's yeah, not, not something that's, that's really natural. talked about, that's you know, natural. it's not something that's talked about. It yeah, feels that's like. natural. And that's, you know, that's part of understanding things in the world. And yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay. Without going to the spiel, I just wanted to. I was just to- going to say the other thing I'll take away from this, Andy, is uh, you saying that you were asking nuanced questions about breast implants to. Real Housewives, and then you thought you would take those same type questions to real people. Because <laughs> those, those fucking reunion shows, man, I, I am about to pull my eyes I, out of the sockets when, when I when I those said things. real people. I paused and I didn't mean that. I was trying to think of the word. No, I, I wanted to say the, the correct word would have been mainstream celebrities. That's that would have been yes. Yeah. We can dub that back in, but I don't know how. Oliver about his taint on national television a lot. Yeah. 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 I waxed my taint. I did a whole thing. We, I know. Yeah, we've covered this. That was when you were heavier, Oliver, right? And you were trying to somehow uh, arouse Aaron. No, no, I, I just wanted to see what it was like. And it paid off because Aaron loved it. You know what I mean? She really? Oh, God, yes. I mean, it was great. I done, I've done it three or four times, and now I just sort of use a razor. But, you know, that whole clean, everything gone situation, I mean, I liked it, and then she loved it. You know, there was exploring that had never been explored before, you know. So it was it was great. I was in. God, it doesn't get itchy? doesn't get, like, sweat? And- no, I think the more you do it, the more you just get used to it, really. You know, but now I just I use a straight razor in the shower. Everyone's like, you you put you bick your balls, like you shave your balls with a razor. I'm like, it's actually not bad. I mean, it's it's not like doesn't hurt. There's no cutting. It's very cool. Plus, it's, it's kind of elephant skinny. You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's kind of ripply and you do have to stretch. You have to sort of pull <laughs> and stretch for you know at some points. This is the gayest uh, conversation I've heard in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> i like uh, it i like being i like feeling the clean all right you want to ask your question then we'll let him go or i'll ask it this time yeah uh, you is asked there but, anything but for else for one thing you did the miss america for a while but how come there's no mr america like the why isn't there one you know, you know it's funny i don't know um like that would be great i know you know i try to um objectify men on my show whenever I can, because I think it's funny. And I think it's turning a trope of objectifying Mm -hmm. women. Like I'll have guys behind my bar in a tight t-shirt and I'll be like, Oh my God, look at his tits. Have you ever seen tits like that? (laughs) And I think it's clever and funny. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately now in the, in the me too world, it doesn't play as well as it was before because I thought it was a funny wink. Like, look, mm-hmm. well, if we can, you know, if a certain 
group of men says this about women. Why can't I say this about other men? I think it's yeah. Funny. Why and why is everybody so fucking uptight? Yes. That nobody can laugh at anything. No, it exactly. doesn't matter what group you sit in. It's true. It's amazing where we've gotten. Where you start. What my wife has to have the Golden Girls on before we fall dead asleep. And the jokes that were on the Golden Girls would not be written or would not play on network TV now, let alone all in the family and the Jeffersons and everything else. It's like, were we kind of more willing to accept that kind of stuff then? You know, people, there was no social media. Um, and I think, you know, it's incredible when you look at uh, satire. I was talking to Stephen Colbert about this the other day. I don't know if you ever saw the show Strangers with Candy, which is one of oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, you know, that show could not play for a minute right now because everyone is so uh, upset about everything. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I know. It's, it's too bad. I think there'll be a shift. The pendulum always swings very high, and then it will find find its balance i'm sure i hope but do you still do that shit with your show i mean do you still objectify men whenever i can (laughs) (laughs) perfect i love it let's end it there joe why don't you ask the question we ask we ask everyone last question uh and and it's something that oliver's asked every other time i'll ask you is there a trait you've taken from your dad that you're proud of as a father to ben or benjamin i don't i don't want to uh, shorten his name, and is there one that you've taken that you that you wish you didn't carry forward? Um, I think for sure. You know, it's funny. I have this little Snoopy in my bedroom that was my Snoopy growing up, and it's still sitting there in my adult bedroom. And when he comes in, I talk to him as the Snoopy in the same way my dad used to talk to me with this very same Snoopy. He would come up oh, to me and I thought awesome. Snoopy could talk. And he looks at Snoopy and he's like, wow, Snoopy can talk. And it, it makes me feel good that I'm doing exactly the same. Oh, my God. Anderson, I got to call you back. <laughs> Hi, Anderson. Big fan. Um. Anyway, so... I just took it because I thought it would be funny, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah, so that's great. anyway, uh, I think just patience and kindness and sweetness are the three things. I mean, my dad was, was, was all of those things. I always say he's like, my dad is a gentle man. He's just a gentle, nice man. Um, and that's what I hope to be with him. And he was always very calm and Yeah. What about something I, that you, what about a trait that you sort of have inherited or did genetically? Were like, well, hey. actually, I mean, I think my dad has less patience than I do. And I used to, I don't know what turned in me where I, where I became okay, but um, I used to have very little, I, I hope that that doesn't, um, he, he, he could be kind of impatient sometimes if we were waiting in a long line or something was fucked up or, you know. Mm-hmm. I mm. think I might have inherited that from your dad. Right, yeah, you might have. <laughs> yeah, I have you're no, terrible. I have no patience. Oh, whatsoever. God, I know. Especially as a 51-year-old dad to twins. Uh, uh, hey, I can't, I can't thank you enough yeah, because I can't, you, I can't believe that you left the city 
for 24 hours and went to the Hamptons and the weather looks like it looks behind you and you're in your place talking to us for an hour. I on know. A I'm, Zoom. I'm running out now to meet a buddy for a margarita. All right, good. Go. Uh, good. Andy, love you, buddy. Thank you so much, man. That Thanks, was guys. this was really, really fun. So much. Thank you. I owe you. Appreciate yeah. it, Andy. All right. All see right, you buddy. at the Cardinal game sometime. <laughs> yeah. Never. I definitely. Whatever you need. <laughs> All, right. All right. Okay. Thanks, you. guys. Bye. All right. Thanks. Love Andy. you, pal. See you, bud. Good job, Ollie. Are you still here? Yeah. That was good. He's great. I love he's, you're right. He's so open. He is. I love his sweater. That's that's what you're walking away with is his hoodie. I really love it. I mean, I was looking at it the whole time. It was distracting. Were you uh like double boxed on your computer screen with Zoom in one box and the Ralph Lauren website? In the <laughs> no, one? but I'm about to get on. Um no, he he's he's great, man. I I, I just He's someone you just want to hang out with. Like I would love to drink tequila with him and just tell stories. Like he looks. You could talk to him for an hour about every facet that we touched on. Like I, I can't imagine being as talented and as smart as he is, wanting to be on air, but being a producer. He had Mm -hmm. to look at people, and 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 I'm not saying that producers are are brilliant. In fact, I'd love to go the other way someday and just be behind the camera trying to create something. But Mm -hmm. for him to be a producer wanting to be on air, that had to be really frustrating. I also think there are very few people who authentically are themselves without any sort of, um, you know, they're, 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 they're without any sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not pretense. Yeah. Not forgiveness, not pretense, but yeah. I mean, they they are truly who they are and they're unafraid to say whatever the hell it is on their minds. You know, Howard Stern being one of them. Uh, Charles he, Barkley. Charles Barkley, exactly. You know, Andy Cohen. There there aren't many who are doing it not for shock, you know, not to just be, you know, say things that people are going to, you know, f- go viral with, but it's more of like, this is who I am, and I'm just unafraid to sort of speak my truth and say what the hell it is I have to say. And can I, you I love imagine that. what it was like for him? Because I, we've talked about this probably on every podcast, but for him to have that story on TMZ mm-hmm. and then read the comments. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be so about, crazy. I mean, yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot, but he handles it all so well. And, and I was serious. You know, he's on the. He's on the, uh, there are certain faces that hang from the arch in St. Louis and, uh, he's one of them. Well, if I was proud of him, if I was gay, I would date him. That's my, that's my kind of dude. It is like, I I just, yeah, he's fun, man. If I was gay, that's my, that's my guy. And what more needs to be said than that? I mean, I'm, I'm with you. He's who wouldn't want to hang out with Andy Cohen. I do at night. My wife is obsessed with all that stuff. Yeah. Have you watched one of those reunion shows? No, I never got into to those, you know, housewives shows. Oh my god, man! I mean, it's just it's four on one side of him, four on another side of him, <laughs> and it is just cat fight yeah. after cat fight, of screaming and yelling, and oh my god! I hope I he, uh, I hope he had fun with us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure he gets tired of it. But, I know that's uh, why we were trying to. Trying to, you know, figure you out did. different things. I was, you know, 
just going to throw it all out there. <laughs> because in the beginning, in the beginning, he's like, oh, yeah, it's the same old interview. And you're like, we're going to try to ask you some questions that you haven't asked before. I was like, oh, shit. Now, okay. Now I've got to. Well, and then right after that, I don't even know if you know that, know this, but my internet went out. So I was gone for. Oh, you were? I wasn't even there for about, I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate, but I probably wasn't there for four or five minutes. Oh, wow. Well, so I, I went out I, I, and I came I, yeah. back. I, oh, good. I, well, thank I got God. on my phone for a second and then I got, I looked back up and I had bars. I was like, oh, sh- good. I get back on, but I was freaking out. Jesus. Well, that was fun. That was fun. And it looked like just so beautiful where he was at beach and God, man. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. Another one down, Joe. It. Another one down, baby. Sandler's next. Sandman. The Sandman. And we'll get uh, we'll get better. I told you, or I don't know if I told you or Sim that he's he's doing some concert or something for Wash the State of Washington. Mm-hmm. He's like, I promise, man, you're next. You're next. I got to get this behind me. Then you're next. So yeah, I don't know when I, that is. That's the one I'll be most nervous for. So you're Why? gonna. Well, because he's fucking Eddie Vedder, okay, and you know he's too cool for me. And I don't, you know him. So you're gonna have to take the lead on on this. He one. is the most normal. No, I'm sure, but like you still have to take the lead, and then I'll throw my masturbatory sort of questions in there if I feel inclined. <laughs> God, good. You can ruin my friendship with him. <laughs> <laughs>